Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I am Jameson Dance. And I'm Dave Smith. And today we have a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, my name is Ann Harder. Um, I yell a lot on Twitter, and I <laughs> am a, um, a software developer in DevOps at SurveyMonkey. But before this, I was uh, a research psychologist. I studied personality, motivation, and aesthetics. That is so cool. <laughs> I did a lot of yelling while I was in graduate school, too. Also, also, <laughs> also on Twitter, so it's not new to, to tech. <laughs> so you didn't start yelling with tech, you just brought yelling to the industry. Yes. No, I was really, it seemed like there wasn't nearly enough yelling on Twitter about technology. <laughs> so I decided to, to you know, uh, raise the discussion to a higher <laughs> volume. A higher, a higher level of caps lock. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so good. Oh, cool. I love it. Well, Dave, uh, I think you have a joke for us, if I'm interpreting this right. I don't, I don't think we need one anymore. I've already giggled all my giggles. <laughs> okay, good. You got your giggles out. Do you want to read our first question then? Yes, sure. Okay, so the first question is, how do I make friends at work? Or should I even make friends at work? What a great question. I, yeah, I... I learned everything I need to know about this question from watching reality TV shows, which is I'm not here to make friends. That's what they, I'm every, here to make, every show. I'm here to has. make allegiances and then crush them when I no longer need them. Yeah. Oh my. It, it just reminds me of Survivor. Oh my God, that sounds so stressful. How would you ever get anything done? People would be sabotaging uh, your tickets left and right. But yeah, but marked, you're the best at sabotaging their tickets, so you come marked, out ahead. I just marked Dave's Jira ticket finished when it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be awesome <laughs> oh it <that> sounds great <laughs> um so yes so yeah sorry i do have things to say about making friends at work i think that i think categorically that you should do it um <laughs> i think that we spend uh i think we spend 40 hours a week in our jobs um, and at least, and in, in frequently for people in technology, we spend more than 40 hours a week uh, at work, and there is really no reason to draw a hard line between, you know, work friends and real friends. I think that friends are friends, and you can have varying degrees of, of closeness and shared activities and shared interests with various friends in your life, but I think that work friends are, are actual friends. What if, what if I only interact with this person at work? Are they still my friend? Like I don't ever do anything with them outside of work? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, you know, I have friends that I only ever do, uh, I'm trying to think of like non-work friends that I have, like that I only do one activity with, you know, but I think like I have a friend that like I knit with. This is all we ever do. Mm -hmm. Is she not my real friend? Because all we ever no, do she's is just knit a she's just a knitting friend. <laughs> she's my knitting. Friend. Although you know, like sometimes though, like then when I describe when I describe people to other friends, then then that person does become something like, well, you know, my knitting friend. Um, but I think that I think that work is an excellent place to uh, to make friends. I think you know they say that like something something like people complain because once they get past thirty, it becomes really difficult to make friends, and and that seems a little weird because. Uh, here we are in, in, in a building all day surrounded by people in the, the, um, uh, who could potentially be your friends. The, um, uh, the ingredients for friendship are basically like three things. This is, what's, this is what uh, social psychologists have found. The first thing you need is proximity, right? You can't be friends with somebody that you're never 
around.、Um, mm-hmm. And then、uh, repeated unplanned interactions, I think, was, is what、huh. it's called. So、um, you know, this is this is this this is the time when you sit down at lunch with your coworker and you wind up talking and you realize that you're both into, I don't know, extreme sports. Knitting. Yeah, extreme knitting. Extreme and, knitting、um, sports. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, and then you know the third one. It becomes a little bit more difficult, and I think that maybe that's where people like draw this line because work. The third one is something like、uh, you have to have like a like a casual environment where you can let your guard down、mm-hmm. and just sort of allow、mm-hmm. these these unplanned interactions to take place.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think that tech companies, in particular, say what you want about you know the the、uh, people get very.、Um, Uh, say a lot of you know derisive things about like you know the foosball tables and all that, but I think that these are especially if you're going to be at work right fifty sixty hours a week, you should be able to have this downtime and this ability to socialize with your your colleagues so that like you actually really can build these friendships. Sorry, that、oh, that's really my, cool. That was my speech about、I'm- no. I'm so glad there's a formula for making friends now. I can actually do it. Yeah, no, there, there totally is.、There's, <laughs> the simple three-step process. You know, and that kind of thing was like really easy for a lot of people in college, right? You throw,、uh, you know, several thousand, you know, eighteen-year-olds into a dorm room or a, a dorm, dorm, dormitory, dorm building, and、um, we don't put all several thousand of them in one dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> But you could, I in mean, the you dystopian could, future, we will. <laughs>、um, uh, it would probably cut a lot of costs. <laughs> <laughs> What if we just put them all in pods? Like they don't even need to go to classes. You have VR. Do you know when you say、Anyways. when you say that though? That makes me think of the Matrix when they're in those little those little like yeah in, in the real the real world when they're in those、yes. gross yeah. pods. Yeah, I mean we could. Yeah, put, that's we could... that's my management philosophy: is do what they, the robots did in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> so can I tell you a story about me making a friend at work? Yes, please. Um. At my last job, almost ten years ago, we had、uh, we sat two to an office with a door, and so、uh, every office had two developers in it. And my office mate left the company, and so I was mateless for a week or so. And、um, one of the other engineers in the office did something that I thought was really cool. He came to my office, knocked on my door, and said, "Hey, I'd like to be your office mate. Can we do that?" And I was like. Okay,、Aww. like was, I don't know, like <laughs> sure, <laughs> and I was like, "Why do you want to do that?" <laughs> like, like, why would anyone ever want to be sharing an office with me? And manager didn't, didn't tell them to do it, and he's like, "No, I just thought it'd be. I thought you were really cool, and it'd be cool to get to know you a little better." And I was like, "Wow." Oh. Anyway, that was like ten years ago, and that has blossomed into a long,、uh, valuable friendship to me over a lot of years, and、um, it's been awesome. And I was just so glad that he was willing. To say yes, I'm at work, and yes, there's like a professional standard of behavior and certain lines and and you know these various boxes you have to put yourself in. But I'm just going to go and put myself out there and、mm-hmm. and see what happens. And it was so cool. That's I I love that. I love that this happened to you. <laughs> I I think it was my first and last friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> also, my psychologist tells me that he's imaginary, but I don't. I don't listen to that guy. <laughs> He、um, no, I really like that. I really like that this happened. I think that it becomes increasingly difficult. As I said, you know, we, we get over thirty, and then suddenly you just sort of look around, and there's all these adults around you, and you become very 
afraid of making these first um, these first taking this this initial this this initiative to uh, to to have a good to to build a relationship with them. Whereas like little kids are great; they walk up to each other and they're like, "You want to be my friend." And like they've literally just met, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Yes, we're friends," and then they're friends forever, and or maybe at least as long as that time in the sandbox lasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> until it's time to leave the park, right? And until mom, <laughs> until mom says that it's time to go, and then that's the end of that. And I think that, um, but I think they don't maybe, care. They don't care, right? That it's time limited. Like they're just like, I just want a friend. Let's do this. And maybe we it's shouldn't. So cool. Maybe we shouldn't either. Maybe part of our concern with um, with having quote unquote work friends is that like obviously none of us are tied to our companies, and there's this fear that if you make friends at work, you will wind up you know, like uh, abandoned um, when they leave and you'll wonder to yourself, like, was that really a real friendship mm. if if this person, mm-hmm. uh, you know, left me, if I never talked to them again, were we really <laughs> friends? Mm. Like maybe you'll feel bad if you don't maintain the relationship after parting ways at work? Well, I mean, like, Is so that... I suppose that I suppose that could happen. You could, but I think that some some relationships are time limited, <clears throat> like the kids in the sandbox, right? Mom says it's time to go home for lunch, so you're, you know, you're out. Um, and maybe you never see that kid in the park again. Um, but I think that, that the same can be true of adult relationships, and I don't think that that makes those relationships any less valid or any less real um than than the kids in the sandbox i think that you know sometimes people move on from their jobs and maybe you never maybe you literally never see that person again maybe you only see them like at weird you know kind of events you catch up once or twice a year but i think that that doesn't that doesn't in any way invalidate the the relationship you know sometimes p- people mm-hmm. come in and out of your life this is a thing that you know becomes apparent as you get older not everyone is around forever and ever and sometimes that's okay now I I'm 29, so what I'm taking from this is I have a year to just go crazy and like make all the friends I can. Yeah, pretty and much. And then you're done. And then that's it. Then you're just going to hit a cliff, and it's just going to become extremely yeah. difficult from here on out. Sorry, pal. <laughs> okay, well it's good to know that I can I can use the time I have left. Um, well, I, I want to give you some hope, Jameson. I'm 37, and. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't have any friends before or after 30. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't hit a cliff is what you're saying. I'm just kidding. That's I great. One friend. Um, so, so one potential downside that, that came up is what if your responsibilities change? What if you make friends and then the friend becomes your boss or you become your friend's boss and then you have different methods of interaction. You have responsibility over this person or they have responsibility over you. It's not just pals that kind of chat and hang out at work and after work how do you how do you deal with that um i think that's a i think that's a worthy concern i think it's it's always worth considering uh, uh you know the worst possible outcome and then usually immediately discarding it um <laughs> i think that i think that it's entirely possible right that one of you gets promoted or you know you you join a company where your friend already works and is your manager something like that um, but I think that there's a risk of, of bad things happening in any relationship and, um, uh, regardless of, of, of what it looks like. So that's not a reason not to make friends. Like, oh no, one day one of us might get promoted and it might get kind of weird is not a reason to not, <laughs> to not get drinks after work. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know. Sure. Yeah. It's, that's not a reason to, to not go to lunch together and to like just sit there and shoot the sh- 
Oops, sorry. Yeah, sorry. There's no. I'll I'll beep it. Don't worry. <laughs> there's a there's like a specific Dave assassination position open, and your friend gets promoted to it, and then. <laughs> Now, now you regret all those good times you had together. But like, I revealed so much go. about my personal life. <laughs> he knows the route back to my house. Oh no! <laughs> what a good, what a, what a good way to go, though. Yeah, I that's true. Wouldn't yeah? Wouldn't you murder, want your friend to, by to your do friend? it? <laughs> I don't want to be killed by a stranger. <laughs> yeah, let it be extra terrifying and feel like super like a lot of betrayal. But it wouldn't be betrayal because really the person is serving the interests of the company at that point and there's it's not it's not it's not personal it's business. Yeah, wasn't that a Supreme Court ruling like you can murder people if it's if it's in the interest of the company or yeah, something? Yeah, like that. I, I mean think. like my understanding now is that is that corporations are people but we are they're unemotional robot people. Um, but but they're people with like superpowers and a license like, to kill. like murder. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, like I think there were some John Grisham books to that effect, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what about politics? What if being a friend with someone who then gets promoted to the boss gives you, say, an unfair advantage at layoff time? Oh, that gr- I would gr- hope. Great. I would hope that that wouldn't happen, or that like the boss, the manager friend would recuse themselves in that situation. I feel like, I mean, just off the just my first my initial thought on this is, you know, like it's like Supreme Court justices, right? When they have a conflict of interest, when it comes to you know some case that's come before them, they will recuse themselves. And I think that the appropriate thing to do in that case would be to to say at least at least for um, uh, uh, determining whether or not this this individual who is a good friend of mine should be, you know, kept around or laid off with everybody else, I think that that person needs to, that manager needs to talk to uh, his or her manager so that they can determine, uh, so that someone else can determine, you know, whether or not the friend is is hired or is mm-hmm. rather is uh, is kept or laid off. So do you think there sense. needs to be like a conflict of interest form filled out anytime you want to make a friend at work to oh. make sure that those things stay above board? No, I really feel like that's probably the worst idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, right? And but in, in, in tech companies in particular, I, I feel like it's it's easy to make friends um, easier than like, you know, 15 years ago, I worked in like a stodgy old uh, insurance company. Like, you know, we didn't exactly, we were business casual and, you know, high heels. It was very boring. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I had a lot of cash. Um, and I, I feel like I feel like uh, when it comes to uh, tech companies, there there do tend to be a lot more friendships. And I think that when layoffs happen, there's just there's just it the really when there's a mass firing like that, I think you've got to understand that. I would hope that I would. Um, understand if my manager was like, I'm sorry, like I had to let you go too. And I don't think I would feel particularly aggrieved by that because I would look around and be like, cool, 50 other people also just got the boot. It wasn't me. It was, it was, you know, budget cuts or whatever. You sound like a very reasonable person. (laughs) That's, uh, that's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) When I think about some of the dysfunctional companies that I've heard about and I, and I realize that I know cronyism uh, has played a part in many a promotion mm-hmm. and many a firing. Mm-hmm. It, it think it does make it a little bit of a risky proposition if you're in a pretty toxic culture mm-hmm. to um, 
either befriend or not befriend certain people, you know? Like, it could get pretty ugly, I bet. Like a, like a Mean Girls kind of situation. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where you can't sit with them. Um, I, you know, I think, I think there are definitely, you know, in my experience, I've worked at a couple of, of tech companies and I got a lot of friends who work at tech companies and um, I'm on Twitter. So I, I can see that there is a lot of broken. In fact, I think mm-hmm. every, in my experience and, and from what I've heard, every startup is broken in their own way. But like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's like dysfunctional families, right? They're all dysfunctional in their in unique way. And, yeah. um, and some of them, I think, are brokener than others. And I th- think you have to learn, you know, hopefully you can, est- you know, it's, it's hard to interview a company uh, when you are interviewing for the job and to figure out, like, you know, how f***ed up is this place? Oh, frick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to beat both of those and people will be like, what did she say after that? That'll be awesome. <laughs> You'll never know, listeners. Um, uh, so I think, I think that it's, you know, you, you can't know going into, um, it's, you know, the same with going into any relationship, right? You can't know whether or not this person who's really nice, it's going to wind up being kind of a psychopath. Um, and I think that companies, because companies are people as established by the Supreme Court, I think companies can be Mm -hmm. psychopaths. Um, and, uh, but you just, you're just not gonna, that's just not something that you're going to know until you get there and uh and then yeah then you do have to contend with um you know maybe toxic people hopefully not a full full on toxic culture um and hopefully you know enough that you can get your work done and uh and find a few uh, find a few friendly faces that that almost sounds like more of an argument for uh referrals right if you just kind of cold join a company it's hard to get a feel like you said in the interview but mm. if you have friends that work there mm-hmm. then then you can pretty plainly ask them like what is it actually like what do you hate about it mm-hmm. what's what what are the bad things that happen mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. Hopefully avoid some of that. I think, you know, and I think referrals are obviously a great way of hiring. Of course, there's also a lot of problems that come along with referral hiring because then you start to get, you know, a, a homogenous, excuse me, homogenous mm-hmm. um, workforce. I'm going to beat that too. <laughs> 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 um, and, uh, you know, which which is problematic on its own um, mm-hmm. it, and can True. and then can lead to a workplace that is really great for a certain subset of people and yeah. really toxic for others because they're just sort of like, how are they going to make friends? You know, yeah, I don't fit in here. Yeah. yeah. And, and Interesting. That so, difficult. so you might ask a friend and if they kind of fit the mold of the culture, they might love it and give a strong recommendation but if you're different from them you might join and then feel pretty pretty on the outside is that kind of what you're saying yeah i think so i think that it might be um i think that if well although i think i think if your friend works right you get along with your friend and your friend works there uh, then you're going to get along with it just fine but yeah there's a possibility that if you if you don't if you don't match the the homogeneity that is present in uh, on the team already. That like, yeah, you're mm-hmm. you're gonna have a more difficult time, and that sucks. <laughs> don't don't sure. you have don't you have one of those friends who gives you movie reviews, and you really like this friend, but you really hate their movies. <laughs> they are just such a fan of Michael Bay, <laughs> and and just his whole scene. I mean, I have lots of friends who do uh, things that I'm not interested in doing. Um, 
<laughs> but I do yeah. think, uh, but I do really like hearing about those things. Even like I have a lot of friends who who climb rocks, who rock climb, and um, I I'm pretty sure I could mostly Cl- climb less. rocks is is the inside. <laughs> I think that's the insider term for it. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I'm pretty sure I could I could really care less about it. But I think that if it, um, but I like to hear them talk about it. But I think if it, it if it came to finding a job, I would probably ask some pointed questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not figuring out whether or not I want to rock climb. I'm not figuring out whether or not I want to see a Michael Bay film. I am just listening to my friend talk about a thing that they that they're passionate about because I that makes me happy. My friends make me happy. And, um, and I think that if I was, if I was, though, if I was investigating working at the company that they work for, I would, I would start to ask more questions, um, about whether or not I felt that it would be a good fit for me and what my friend thought and et cetera. I just wanted to say one more thing that that made me think of. It's, uh, if, if you make friends at work, that's, that's kind of building your network. I hate that phrase, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyways. Like, <laughs> Anne talked about friends leaving or you leaving the company, and you'll kind of spread out into different jobs and, and that'll give you a lot more options hmm, for yeah. uh, places you could potentially go after that. Yeah. So that's kind of one and other And when you said network, benefit. you mean your network of moles around the industry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for your insider, I, all of your insider tips. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let me let me see if I can summarize our so, conversation. So, but I would I would point. I would agree actually to that point. I think that's a great idea. Like, and I have literally my eye on several former colleagues of mine that I would just oh my god the things I would do to work with them again so and I think that you know it's good to have it's just like a romantic relationship it's good to miss your it's good to miss your friends sure Dave did you want to sum us up I'm going to give it a shot it's my first time doing this though so you'll do great bear with me I believe in you it seems like we're saying that friendship is a hugely valuable and rewarding thing and even though in the workplace sometimes it can get messy under some circumstances depending on your culture of your work and uh, circumstances um, and because of reasons um, we should do it anyway is what I'm hearing mm-hmm. I think that you know human relationships are far more important than uh, than jobs and I mean jobs are super important it's important to feel like you're in charge of your life it's important to feel like you're building skills but it's also uh, literally as important to to build relationships and a sense of belonging with others and uh, there's there's no reason to draw a line between you know when the universe presents you with a, a person who you get along with you should you should you should follow that you should keep you should hang out with them cool cool question answered we did it <laughs> all right um, I will read the next question. So I hear a lot about being a good manager, but not much about being managed. How do I do that? How do I be managed? It's probably a lot more, well, it's a lot more gratifying for your ego for sure to talk about managing people like, listen, sit down and let me tell you how I like led this team. And so that, that maybe is why there's so much out there. About, right. Like, and people do being a manager. love to talk about their management philosophies. Yes. <laughs> like, like earlier how I talked about the matrix. Yes. Yes. Matrix I, I could talk forever about the matrix as my management <laughs> philosophy. Um, uh, yeah, I think that, but I think that there is, there is a dearth of information about how to best be managed. 
um, and to get the most out of that relationship as a person who is, um, you know, subordinate and, 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 you know, working on their career, you know, regardless of the, the career stage, making sure that you want to get support, making sure that you want that you're getting the kind of projects that are interesting to you. Um, and understanding what it is you want from this job, what it is you want from your from your team, from your colleagues, you know, what your plans are so that you can communicate those things to your manager. And even if you're a manager, like you probably still have a manager above you unless you're the CEO, right? Like right. You, you can always be managed. Well, in which much. case, and the CEO's you report got directly the board, to God right? because CEOs that's... are divinely appointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, uh, so, so how do you do that? So I think, I think that the important thing to do um, is to understand your own personality. I think there's some self-reflection involved. Um, so I apologize to anyone who doesn't want to have to do Oh, you mean the Myers-Briggs test? No. Cool. Oh, my okay, God. I think no. I got that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, please don't do the Myers. Please don't. Anyone out there listening, please don't take the Myers-Briggs. Um, <laughs> I was hoping that would be oh, your crap. reaction. It's it's not real. <laughs> please don't do it. Um, I've heard it described as horoscopes for nerds. Yeah, yes, that's a, that's a pretty good way to describe it. It's, oh, no, please don't take the Myers-Briggs. It's completely, like, unrepeatable. Um, uh, you can't, you can't, uh, it's difficult to, to, to score in a way that is, uh, that you can do math on. And uh, if you can't do math, then you start running into problems of, of figuring out whether or not your, uh, you know, any of your stuff works. And um, uh, that's, that's the technical term that we use in psychology, whether or not your stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to use such big words for you guys. All that technical <laughs> jargon. Um, and, uh, but it's, uh, the, the, the Myers-Briggs is not reliable and it is not valid uh, and you should not use mm. it. But if you are interested in like, you know, learning something about yourself and people really do like to take little tests, you can Google something called the Big Five uh, the big five factor, big five inventory. We just always call it the big five. So now I'm struggling to, to remember what the actual name of it is. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll bleep out all those names and then it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just Google big five personality and then you'll, you'll get it. And there are lots of little like, you know, um, uh, tests that you can take online and it'll, it'll score you on five different personality uh, traits. Um, extroversion, agreeableness, conscientiousness, open openness to experience, and neuroticism. Um, and uh, I know because I'm extremely neurotic and because I was a personality psychologist, like how I fall in these things. And um, it's not a good idea to use this as like a, you know, a hard and fast measurement of this is exactly how I am all the time because situationism still exists. But uh, situationism is, is literally like the how situations you're in affect the way that you behave. Um, uh, anyway, but I think that having some idea and understanding that you, the reason that maybe you act differently than your friends is because you are literally different. Um, I have a friend, I have a friend who's very, very agreeable and I love talking to him because I am the most disagreeable person. Um, I have lots of very strong opinions and, um, uh, can be quite stubborn and he's just like really very willing to just kind of go with whatever and it's great and we both really enjoy each other's personalities um despite the fact that we are so very different because we can each do something that the other cannot 
Um, and mm. so I think that <laughs> even within so so the reason I'm saying all of this is to to lead up to an example that if you understand how you are. Uh, just sort of in a general sense, your personality, um, then maybe you can get a sense for how your manager is. And if you're having clashes or if you have difficulty talking to her, then maybe one of the things that's going on is because you're expecting her to behave or to respond in a way that is not the way that she is just sort of naturally uh, uh, programmed to do just because of how personality works. Um, and, uh, you know, no, no two people, some people are incompatible and they really don't work well together, but like for the most part, we all get along clearly, like look at all the things that the human race has done. Um, uh, but I think that, uh, knowing yourself a little bit better can help you know, (laughs) use your relate. I feel bad saying use your relationship with your manager. Uh, it sounds very Machiavellian, but like, I don't know. Maybe. Let's just say leverage. Yes. You can, you can leverage your, the, these, these, uh, these skills to your own advantage, which you should absolutely be doing if you are a person who is being managed. Hmm. That's a, hmm. a really interesting viewpoint that I haven't thought of. Know thyself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Know thyself. Um, uh, but I think that, um, uh, the other thing that you really need to consider is like, one, you need to kind of have a good sense for how, what, you know, what you, 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 knowing, knowing who you are and doing some self-reflection, but also like what your needs and motivations are, like, what are your actual goals? Like, do you want to work at this company for the next 10 years? Do you want to split in a year? Do you want to, um, move to a different team that's doing something very different. Uh, one of my colleagues moved from a mobile team to uh, a dev tools. So she went from, you know, doing this like very front end mobile stuff to like more back end stuff and maybe even some, some infrastructure. And, um, but she was able to do that partly because she understood what her, her own interests were. And so she talked about these things with her manager. And it sounds really, really basic for me to say that. <laughs> but I, well, welcome to our industry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, like you should talk to your manager about the things that you want. But I think that unless like, you oh. do a decent <laughs> amount of self-reflection, it can be difficult to know what is the difference between what I want and the path that I'm currently on. Mm-hmm. And even even what you just said about you should talk to your manager, I think a lot of people don't really know what a manager does or what they should do. Like, is this someone who just kind of assigns story points or like what, what can they do for me? So I think that idea that a manager can help you if they're good, mm-hmm. achieve your goals, um, that that's pretty powerful too that some people might not be aware of. Yeah, no, I think, and if you aren't getting what you need from your manager, then you should ask I would start by asking for it but then after that I would I'm not sure what my advice would be my advice would be get a different manager which is yeah that's that's is, the default advice on this podcast which if is, anything ever fails just go get a different job do you know we do that like sometimes the VMs aren't working and it's like ah f- this and then you just destroy it and build a new one mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have I have an answer to this question that's um a little bit more like uh tactical I think that Anne's answer was incredibly valuable at like a macro level. Um, and I have some like day-to-day dumb little things that I do to, to be better uh, managed. Mm. Um, first one is I, uh, and, and by the way, I'm thinking of the term manager here also as like my team lead. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of, I'm overlapping those a little bit, but like. Most, most I, tech companies do. Yeah. Um, 
So like, I like to tell them what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know this might sound basic, but what? like check in, check in <laughs> with your lead and give them a status report. Mm-hmm. Um, an- another thing I do that I think managers really like for the people they manage is I, um, when they ask me for something, I give it to them. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do that. I did that. Um, I mean, I've only done it a couple times, but and and then if you are unable to deliver the thing that has been requested, or if it's going to be delivered on a different schedule than is requested, I like to notify my leads as soon as possible to say um, I'm on this, but it's going to be later than I expected. And I'm going to tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I do. This is my last thing. Um, is uh, if someone asks me a question that's going to take some time to answer, like say my boss says, hey, hey, Dave, when is the FUBAR thing? Uh, you know, what's the best parameter for the FUBAR? And I, like say it's an email. And I'm thinking it's going to take me three days to get that answer. Rather than waiting three days and then giving the answer, I will respond and say, I'm working on that. I have not forgotten about it. And I will get you your answer in three days. So there you go. Just uh, It sounds, th- to, me, it sounds to me like you are recommending communication is that the word <laughs> that might be a psychological industry jargon thing <laughs> yeah sorry i know it's got a lot of I, syllables i don't know that that just seems like it would totally destroy the element of surprise <laughs> and just like suck all the fun out of the, the relationship yeah right i mean like how can you surprise your manager with with uh, with all of your unfinished tickets if yeah i, if I like to hide in the ceiling them, if you've told them in the wednesday stand-up that they will not none of them will get done by friday yeah i, I just like to hide in the ceiling and then like drop down with a box of printed out finished year tickets just like throw them on the desk and then I run off like Boom, a little elf. I'm out of here yeah um I'm sorry that's I really that like this my... actually them having this image of just like someone falling down with a cape and then just like <laughs> just throwing um uh, note cards everywhere with like you know check marks on them oh yeah yeah because we do with, like, ticket so we do, and yeah, yeah. post-it notes and, yeah and, like, a status. Um, oh my gosh <laughs> this is the yeah. best <laughs> i want to work at that company for like one day yeah for, for one day after that no Mm-mm. yeah i i think uh one thing that i have noticed consistently is um i feel like i've been pretty lucky to work at places that that reward initiative and are okay with it maybe maybe some workplaces you would get kind of slapped down for stepping out of your place but mm-hmm. i feel like i've i've consistently noticed people that do things that i didn't realize i could do when i was in their same situation like someone is just a developer like they have no special responsibility and then they like come up with this thing that helps everyone at the company and i kind of sometimes look at them like huh i could have done that too and i just didn't Mm -hmm. so i i guess this is a a vague point that means like you can probably influence things more than you think like you don't have to step on people's toes but if you see something that you don't Mm-hmm. like or that you think could be better you don't have to wait for someone to give you permission mm-hmm. and and i'm sure your manager would love it if you were like i noticed this could be better and here's how i would like to make it better oh yeah That's a i cool mean thing that i you will do. to that point i will say um a few months ago um my manager was having a meeting with his manager and he wasn't sure about like sort of the um the continued uh focus of the team like what kinds of projects we'd be working on and I was talking to him about this and he was like, I don't really know what we're going to, you know, he doesn't really know what we're going to be doing. And I was like, you don't need to like wait for him to tell you what you're doing. You know what managers love? Managers love it when you do their work for them. I'm like, you need to walk into that meeting and tell him, here is what we're going to be working on. Like my team is going to be working 
plan A, B, and C this you know this quarter, and uh, and this is how like these are all the things we're going to be doing. What do you think? And then that frees the manager from having to like figure out what the hell your team is doing this quarter, and you know, sure. And then and then instead you can focus on you know. You know, uh, talking between the two of you about uh, how how those things are going to be accomplished in the quarter, um, or you know, sometimes even negotiate. Of course, like no, 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 you're not going to work on this this quarter, or whatever. Sure. But I think that going to when it comes to being managed, if you go to them with uh, with a project idea, then oh man, yeah, they're super into that. So what I want to know is how can I write like a chest thumping medium think piece about being managed? Because oh my God. I know how to do that about managing, but not not about being managed. I think I think there's a I think there's a whole cottage industry behind uh, being managed me- medium think pieces about being managed that <laughs> that, that that could start right now. Yeah, it's um, an untapped market. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we need to come up though with like a uh, you know the, with with some with some annoying industry jargon. We need a hashtag. Yeah, hashtag be, being be managed. The- be the think piece you want to see in the world. Oh God, that's I think the, is the takeaway. I think that's the saddest sentence I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, well, on that note, on the, the the saddest sentence you've ever heard in your life, note. Uh, do you want to summarize kind of what we talked about with this question? Um, I think the the main takeaway is uh, is to communicate with your manager. Um, that in order, like the best way to be managed is in fact to communicate the things that you need and the things that you want and to, uh, take initiative. Um, I really thought that that point was, um, was, was very good. Um, and, and not just take initiative in a, you know, scrappy kind of get yourself ahead, you know, of the curve kind of way, which is a different topic. Um, but, but taking initiative. The survivor style initiative. Right. Where you sabotage everyone else. Right. But the, like the, like helping out your team and helping your manager actually accomplish things, um, is going to go a long way to, I think, being managed, which is not the same thing as just being like a company. Yes. Yes, man. Yes, person. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, I think that you must be an active participant, uh, in in your management relationship, instead of like a sure. passive person who sits on the other side of the table during the one on one and just like goes with it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, Anne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, how can people hear more from you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter, uh, where they can basically hear me. I'm pretty sure my tweets are audible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I use "Don't follow me if you don't like cap lock, cap caps lock." Um, I, uh, or tweet storms, I almost always tweet at least three in a row. Uh, so, um, I'm on Twitter at any harder, A-N-Y-H-A-R-D-E-R, which is sort of like my name, but not. It's what they used to, when I was a kid with my, my name is Ann Harder. I was called Annie. So they said, Annie Harder, can you do it any harder? Which Joke's is, on them. Which is, now that's yeah, famous now it's for. my famous Twitter handle. So thanks guys. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Schoolyard bullies. Yeah, the tables have turned. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want to, if, if you like what you heard and you want to support the show, the best way is probably to get a facial tattoo of our logo. <laughs> uh, if you already have one, 
though the second best way is to tweet about us or subscribe on iTunes or write a review. Uh, we'd love to, to share this with more people. So it would really help us out if you could do that. If you want to submit a question for us to talk about, you can follow us on Twitter at softskillseng and then just send us a direct message and, and we'll put it in our queue. So thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. This was so much fun. Okay, bye.